It is May 25th, 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. <laughs> yeah, we were both way too we were both way too thirsty going into this broadcast. We couldn't couldn't hold it back. I'm, I'm speaking of thirsty. Joined by our co-host tonight. No, <laughs> none the... other than the thirsty one, Mr. Eric Quintana of Mouse Podcast. What's happening, man? Sup, boys? Thanks for joining us on uh, on short notice from beautiful Montana, home of Ted's Montana Great. Grill. Falls, Montana. Yeah, the 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 original Ted's Montana Grill up here. And I mean, you can't go to Montana without going to Ted Monta- Ted's Montana Grill, which I can tell you is not the best steakhouse in Montana. That's Fourth a good bags. thing. Yeah, Ryan's or uh, maybe Quincy's or Shoney's. Applebee's all the way. Ooh. You know, people dog <laughs> Applebee's, but in a pinch, Applebee's is pretty solid. I mean, you'll get, you're going to be feeling swollen from all that. Salt oh yeah, because the days. sodium for oh, sure. Because <laughs> everything's just been frozen and preserved that they're going to cook yep. you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us on this lovely Tuesday evening. Very uh, special yeah. backwards hat episode. Backwards hat episode of the <laughs> podcast. I'm Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley, in the middle in the aforementioned Eric Quintana. Yeah, it's um, had a few days to digest the. The result on Sunday, a lot of we didn't have any. How, how do you how do you, how do you guys feel? Po- like a couple days into it, better worse? I, I feel better about the performance in the Seattle match than I did the performance in the Montreal match, and the result was the same, right? Well, no, I guess the Montreal match we won, but I felt better about the performance in the Seattle match. N- neither convinced me that this team is going to go out and be world beaters, but I at least saw some marginal improvements in the Seattle match personally. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. It seems like it's hard to, it's, it's more of the same, I feel like, but it's getting yeah. better. I think there are improvements. I don't think it's as it's not seeming that like the possession isn't seeming as aimless as it had been, I guess. Um, but it's also it's it's tough to gauge, and it's it because we're missing, and I don't know when we're going to get Ezekiel Barco back. I don't know if he's going to go off and play with the U twenty threes in Argentina. If then he's going to get injured. injured and miss the rest yeah. of the season. So yeah, exactly. I don't know if we just have to start looking at this as like the baseline for the team and the starting lineup moving forward. But it's I don't know. I feel like we're getting better. It was it was. I mean, I felt pretty bad initially whenever Rui Diaz slotted home within six minutes to oh i felt game. I, I felt relieved i was like well saw this coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that said i mean they're easily the best team in mls right yeah. now and the fact that we hung with them and kind of controlled the tempo in a lot of ways and without maybe uh knew who and on that back line maybe we you know we get back there we we net home a couple more but i don't i feel better i feel like this team is making consistent progress uh, what about you eric i don't I don't feel good about it at all. I I don't think I, I'm not. It's not a secret that I don't feel good about it. I don't. 
I think that the only reason that Atlanta found a way to grab a point out of out of Seattle is that Seattle decided they, to become complacent after their goal, and, uh, and they essentially pooped themselves whenever 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 anything else happened because I they they are the best team in MLS right now, but they obviously didn't play like that. What a good team does when a team is not playing at their best at home. They take advantage of those situations. Atlanta's not a good team. One, because they didn't do that. And two, there's nothing on the field. There's no evidence that would suggest to me that they're going to find a way to be consistent in the attack. They've they've barely scored. I think the only uh, multi-goal game is Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I mean, we know what Chicago is. I like I I can't I can't I'm I'm I think my overall thought about the start of the season in a more broader sense is that this is going to be year three where Carlos Bocanegra, whoever is making these decisions when it comes to player acquisition has missed three straight years in a row. Yeah. And, and and I mean, that's like that, that you can't put it that on anybody else other than, other than the front office and Carlos Bocanegra. Look, I don't blame the players for not, you know, being, you know, world beaters. I don't blame Heinze for coming in and, and, you know, trying what, what he to do, what he can do with the players he has. Um, and I don't know how much influence he's had, but look at, I mean, this is a perfect example of, I think the, the kind of the disconnect between what, what the fans at least want on the field, what the players I think were used to in 2017, 2018 and what someone like, or whatever the front office, I say Carlos Bocanegra cause he's like the, he's like, he's the scapegoat right now. Uh, but you know, you, you spent DP money on a defender and Alan Franco for a, a back line that is pretty much solid as it is. I'm not saying you didn't need reinforcements. I'm not saying, you know, you didn't need people to back up the players that you already had, but did you really need to go get a DP when you had this solid of a back line as it was, you had this solid of a team that defended uh, really well, especially the way they defended against Seattle. I I feel like that's a a wasted DP uh, slot. Now I feel like that's wasted money. And I I mean, look, maybe I'm looking at it from a, from a, from a bad perspective, or I, I just, people across MLS always, uh, dog teams that spend DP money on defenders, and I think this is right up there with it, especially considering how well defensively minded this team already is. Yeah, but I, I, I can't. I mean, someone offered me a bit different perspective because I would love to hear it. I, I, I don't know. I, it just, it, it's, it, it just goes back for me. It just goes back to how are how are we assessing this team in the offseason? How are we assessing what we want this team to become under Heinze? Uh, you know, even under Frank DeBoer. You know, I, I uh, first of all, can we talk about how if Frank DeBoer had started this way last year, we would have been saying Frank DeBoer out? Oh, yeah. I think, I think some people were saying no, that's we had a better use of the word we because I don't think <laughs> we here were ever on that side of things, at least myself. Frank DeBoer in season year one, I'm pretty sure it was, was already being told, or we already saw the signs for uh, Frank DeBoer out around this sort of time uh, within 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 year one, oh, with year one of them. I just remember hearing, you know, the angry people on YouTube, but I, look, I, I'm not saying Heinz out because I don't necessarily blame him specifically. I think his tactics are fine. I think he, I think, I mean, Josh talks about it all the time. Josh Bagrians talks about it all the time, how everyone seems to have a specific role, which we didn't really specifically see under um, under Frank DeBoer. So that's obviously an improvement, but you know, if the outcome is the same, whether you had Frank DeBoer or Heinz so far, then I mean, what, who cares what, what the tactics are, you're still getting the same results. And right now the results are arguably worse because you can't find consistent scoring. You can't find anyone that, that is going to take over a game. Um, and, and 
the only thing you have going for you is that you can try to be like Colorado a few years ago where they they almost backed their way into the playoff spot uh, by defending the hell out of every team. So, so fingers, cro- fingers crossed for that. So let's drill into the two things that you've said so far that I think need to be discussed, which is the player acquisitions and signings and no major improvements as far as the lineup goes. Um, I think that part of that is true, but I also think that it's not a, been a complete miss. I don't think there's ever been a season where it's like zero of the players that have come in are complete. Well, trash. So like for this year, this year, Sosa and Ibarra would be good examples of, of, of exactly. players that are, are good. But exactly. are they going to take over a game? Depends on are you expecting those players to take over a game or are you expecting the players that were already in the roster to have a better role or a better positioning, whether that's a healthy Joseph Martinez or a healthy Barco who was trending on the side of being a legitimate game changer in the first couple of games of the season. Without Barco in this lineup, the team, I, I agree, looks devoid of somebody to take on that role. And maybe that validates your argument about like picking up depth players at a position where you didn't really need it on the defensive side of the ball. But at the same time, you wonder and we had this conversation last week, like are you getting depth pieces at defense because Miles Robinson maybe isn't here much longer and you can't depend on that through the summer transfer window and making sure that you've got that center back role filled up. And I also don't think any of us saw Walks having this big break. I don't want to say it's a breakout year because he's been pretty consistent year in, year out. However, yeah. he's, he's cemented his role in that position in a way that I don't think he had prior to the Franco signing. And so I could see both sides of that leveraged on what, depending on which viewpoint you want to take. So I don't think all of these acquisitions were complete trash and I don't think all of them were gold mines either. And I think that's been Atlanta United consistently year over year. Like even in the first year, it's not like everybody was great. Even going into the 2018 season, there were still players that weren't standout players, but you had enough of, to use your own phrase, like people that were going to step up and, and, take on the game or, or be game changers that were going to lead an attack, whether that's Miguel or a healthy Joseph or whoever that is. But those are, those are the two players that we consistently come back to more times than not. And, you know, that was dependent on both of those players being healthy and consistent throughout those seasons. And one of the things that a lot of Atlanta United fans forget is the challenges that Atlanta United faced, the games that Miguel Almarone wasn't in the lineup. And you were on the broadcast with us back in Tim's old apartment or his old house talking yeah. about Miguel Amaro being out and us all going, what the fuck is this team going to do going into the playoffs without a healthy Miguel Almarone and nobody generating chance opportunities for Joseph Martinez on the front line. So I think all of those arguments are valid and it all comes down to depth and, and players that you have to have healthy and consistently healthy to be able to do that. And Barco just ain't been it, man. I, 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 I look at Barco. I'm done with Barco. So here's the other thing, and I'm seeing in the comments talk about how being patient, being patient. Wait, wait, wait. I'm I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting because Barco. I I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to sell him. I'm ready to sell Barco. <laughs> Moreno. I I I don't think Moreno's going to be the guy. I'm sorry. I don't think he's going to be the guy. Um. I I'm done waiting for for because look, we waited. We waited for Barco. We waited for Pity. I waited as long as I could for Pity. I waited even longer for Barco. And I'm just, I'm done waiting. Like, if you're good, you're good. You step on the pitch and you, and you, whether it's the tactics, whether it's your skill level, whether it's your dominance on the, on, on, on the field, like you find a way to make things happen. Barco's not that guy. 
Barkley's not that guy. Moreno doesn't look like he's that guy. Uh, I'm I'm done. I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. I, I, you know, you didn't wait. You didn't have to wait for Joseph. You didn't have to wait for Miguel Almiron. You didn't have to wait for uh, LGP. You didn't have to wait for uh, Nagby. You didn't have to wait for uh, Tito to an extent. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to wait for it. You know, you didn't have to wait for any of these players that were legitimately good on this team. And I know that some people are going to be like, oh, what a hypocrite, Tito. But he was good. He found ways to score. I would love Tito on this team right now because he would find a way somehow, by God's grace, to score a goal against any of these teams. Um, because that's that's the one thing that we could really use right now is a, is a Tio Vijalba, a Giassi Zardes type of goal scorer that just somehow finds a way. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. I, I don't, Sosa is the, Sosa and Abar are the only two where I'm like, great. You know, you already know what Miles Robinson is. Um, George Bello is going to be as consistent as he is now, and he probably is going to get better, but he's already good as, as is. You know, the, the, the players that are good walk onto the team and, and are good. You don't have to wait for that. I don't care how young you are. I don't care, uh, you know how how much you know clout you have behind you. You walk onto the field and you and you play and you win and and you find a way to prove to the the fan base, the team, that this was a good decision to bring to bring that specific player onto the team. There's no there's no there's no one that they brought so far other than Sosa. Sosa, as soon as you saw him, you're like, okay. First game, first couple games, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, you're sold. But that's also you know, he, contingent on the fact that he gets involved in the run of play. We saw a several stretches of games where he wasn't getting off that back line, and again, where I think that Seattle had at least a marginal improvement over that Montreal game, where we saw both him and Miles Robinson getting off of that back line and having some run of play where the ball wasn't always coming back to the back line. Well, so so I don't, I don't expect to be a guy that's like going up the field, bombing up the field. I, I expect him more to be that Nagby type of player, right? Which great because we need another Nagby type of player. And he's proven maybe not to the Nagby level extent, but he's proven to be something similar to where, you know, he's he's going to be a force to be reckoned with at that position. Now, I, I mean, we've seen him make mistakes, but you know, not nearly as many as say Rometty or 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 a Hyman has made in that same in a similar position. Tim, I'm I'm pausing to let you get in here, but you gotta <laughs> fucking jump, dude. You can't just sit there and wait for us to stay quiet for more than two seconds. I know, get especially you two. It's like it's different than it's different than having uh, Dan in here to kind of slow the pace down. I so first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually go back and uh, you know call some people out for being you know for joining us because we didn't actually do that. We have uh, Michelle Elliott, Beaven, Haletto, uh, Dirty Bird Person, Brittany S. Um, Pierce Hicks and uh, Pierce Hicks actually brings up a pretty interesting point where he says uh, the fact that we haven't signed a better attacker than our 2017 roster is wild. Tito and Assad won us more games than Barco. That's that's absolutely accurate. So a couple things. I, I'm kind of in the same camp with both of you guys not to play like politics here, like and be or be a politician, I guess. I, but I, I think that there's there's merit in both what with what both of you guys are saying. I think hindsight, obviously I wouldn't want to like do anything with him. I think that he's fine. I think he's good. I Agreed. think his tactics yep. are good. I think that he has a, a great rapport with the players. And I think that you can, it, it honestly, there has to be a scapegoat and whether or not Bocanegra is the guy pulling the strings, making these transfers and making all this stuff happen. Um, I agree. Like he missed big t- to me, the, the Alan Franco one's weird. It's a very much a head scratcher. I mean, in, in a league that is dominated by attacking DPs, Carlos Vela, Chicharito is a lot of time. I mean, it's a lot of time wasn't in, in this first season, but you know what I mean? Like, like that, those are the guys, that's how you win games. That's how you win. Um, that's how you win championships in MLS. And, um, 
the fact that you would even so first of all it was a panic buy which is weird right because Lataro Giannetti was the guy until he failed his medical and he wasn't even going to be a DP guy like he was yeah. one of Heinz's one of his boys right he really wanted to bring him over he really wanted to cement him in this roster and then for to have that medical fall through and then for us to use it buy down Marcelino Moreno to buy a DP who I, I don't know if they didn't see him starting by this point, but the fact that like he's getting subbed out, like, well, I guess he was injured, but still, I mean, it wasn't two times though. It's happened, right. Where he subbed out at halftime once for an injury, one for his play. I don't think that he's really gelled with the team. And to Eric, your point, I mean, our back lines as solid as they come in, when it comes to MLS, it's, I don't know. It's very weird. Um, the fact that, and I wanted to get to positives and negatives that people had on, uh, on Twitter. Um, trying to find, uh, damn it. Where is it? It's from, uh, it's from Alex Morrison and we'll read the rest in a minute, but I think that it works here. So the positive, uh, from, from the game against Seattle is we're slowly trending upwards and the team has a fighting spirit till the end, the negative. And I think this speaks volumes to this, uh, talking about our, our hit or our miss rate with, uh, with the transfer market, as far as attackers go, says our offensive spark of energy, each match shouldn't be coming from, from Mulraney. It's absolutely yeah. accurate. Like, yeah, the, the team Actually, shouldn't look the end toward the end of the matches. Yeah. yeah or at like, least trending in that direction. It's well, number one, it's awesome that we found some sort of change of pace substitute to bring in as an energy boost and to really kind of change the, change the dynamics of the game late in, in Mulraney, but it should be like, we should be a lot. We shouldn't be as toothless uh, in the final third as we are right now. And I know that's the last piece. And it's honestly, it's weird because like, it's, it's kind of ironic. The Frank DeBoer mentality was build, you know, build from the back or build your, uh, build your roster from the back, get solidified from the back and move it forward. And Heinz is doing the same thing. Um, and the goals aren't coming. The goals weren't coming at the beginning of, of the FDB era. And I, I don't know. It's, um, I don't think that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, but at some point somebody does have to answer to the, uh, to the transfer, the transfer misses. They've really been whiffs. The thing that uh, it doesn't really bother me because look, someone brings it up in the in the chat, but I mean you got to give credit where credit is due. And although that you know, 2019 didn't look nearly as awesome as as 2018, 2017 did, you know you still had a very successful year. You almost hosted MLS Cup for the second year in a row, so some credit has to be given. I don't know if it's to the players or to the coach or to Carlos Bocanegra or whoever has been making the front office decisions, but that's that's you know you gotta you gotta at least acknowledge that. However, um. We, we we were all crapping on 2019, 2019 for it being a disgustingly unattacking, unimpressive year. And that hasn't changed. That didn't change last year for sure. It hasn't changed so far in this year. And so I don't know that that's on I, – I, I, I really can't pinpoint what that's on now. I would say more the, the player acquisition decisions because, look, Frank DeBoer, you can say what you wanted, but – I don't think he was as terrible of a coach as, as as people made it out to be. I just don't think he had the players that he ever wanted. Um, and I think Heinze might kind of fall in that same similar situation. I don't know. We'll see with Heinze. I, I'm 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 just not optimistic about this year. I guess I I don't. I think I don't know. the difference is the personalities behind it. Sure, where, that's probably yeah. That, that's a yeah. That, that's, right. that's all it boils down to is that the the similarities between Tata and Heinze, regardless of tactics, is the personalities. And you've got one guy who is 
on the sideline, jumping up and celebrating whenever the team scores a goal, like we just won MLS Cup and getting yellow cards every other match for chewing out the ref and getting the buy-in from the players as a result, regardless of their tactics, versus another manager in Frank DeBoer who sat on the sidelines and rarely got up, if ever, to make a conversation and clearly lost the plot and lost the locker room as a result of that. Whether it was his tactics or, or individual players or relationships with individual players like Petit Martinez and then ultimately Joseph martinez and everything else that's that's the big difference here regardless of the results on or off the field like it's it's clearly that personality and the person running the show from the managerial standpoint that's had a bigger impact on the players and motivating the players to play hopefully you start to see that transition you give him enough tenure and enough time and enough buy-in from other players that want to play for him that can make a difference and i think that it's it's cliche to say it's a rebuilding year or this thing or that thing, but ultimately it is. You know, you get your you get your manager at a point in time where he has no real control or input over who or how acquisitions are being made or how they fit into this lineup. It's gonna take at least a year, if not two, for him to really get that. Frank DeBoer didn't get that at all. He had zero knowledge of what what signings were taking place. You've got to give that to play or give that to managers like you did to Tata in year one like that that's what the biggest if anything that's what I've learned over these three years and three or not three years but these three managers is Tata Martino at least had some impact on who was getting signed how they were going to be utilized and while he gave an opinion that ultimately didn't get regarded as uh gospel in the signing of Barco where he didn't really want to get him but we end up getting him anyway he at least had some pull on getting others and was scouting others like Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron, and stuff like that. That's not something that Frank DeBoer got, and it's certainly not something that Heights has gotten this early on in their tenure. Sure. So you've got to be able to allow those managers to have the time and to gain the respect in the locker room with an existing culture and an existing program to get new players in there that not only work with that system, but that could improve it in some way. And it's just not going to happen four months into a new manager. You know? I feel like, I, f I feel like the managers, uh, the last two are like, they're the kids whose moms bring them home clothes from Sears. <laughs> they're like, I got you these. <laughs> and, like the Marcelino, just like hey. Moreno is like that really nice pair of Jinko, uh, like Jinkos, like gonna be really good, you know, for like eighth grade year, and then you're gonna grow out of them, and then you can't wear them next year. Then you try to wear them, and it's kind of embarrassing. It's um, like you have to be appreciative of of the front because it's your job, it's your mom. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you didn't pick out the clothes, uh, but you have to wear them. Otherwise, <laughs> so uh, the the the. And and going back to the Frank DeBoer thing a little bit, because because there's a good chance that maybe Frank DeBoer understood what he had and was like, this is not an attacking team. This is not an attacking team because maybe they went into the 2019 season thinking that, uh, you know, we're not going to we're not planning on changing things. We're going to run the same style of, of attack that we, we did under uh, Natata Martino. And then he looked at the team he had and was like, this is not this is not that. And we can't yeah. do that with with Pity Martinez and, and Barco and whatever. And I think that might I think. I'm more of the belief now, watch, having watched the first, whatever, 10 total games that we've seen Atlanta United play, that it's more a product of that, that that while the fans and even the players want uh, to see more attack, more kind of uh, just kind of going forward, less, you know, side to side, back passing, that type of thing, um, and more like 2017, 2018, 
you just don't have the players to do it. I mean, you heard no. talk, you know you heard uh, Joseph talk about how you know you win games with goals, not with possession, something to that effect. And he's absolutely right. That's the same. That's the same stuff you heard last year. Oh yeah. We just uh, you know we have a better personality at the helm. Uh, that's that's you know every day with the players to, I guess that 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 has an understanding that that that's how these players want to play. But maybe that just isn't going to happen until certain decisions are made in the player acquisition realm that that can that can lead to someone in the midfield stepping up and and being just an absolute boss against all these other MLS teams. I I have but I have no up in, until that happens, I just think it's going to be status quo. Atlanta I might get lucky that that you know that they that they find two goals in a game and and are able to defend the hell out of the whoever they play, but you know this isn't going to be a team that's going to be scoring 3 4 games on a regular basis. That's for damn sure. And two is going to be asking for a lot. If well, you I mean, if you go if you go down one, you're not winning the game. And that's 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 a fact at this point, I think. I think that's actually a good point. It might speak to the the tactical mindset or just of, of Frank DeBoer and of of Gabriel Heinz. So for them to see I have to figure out a way to to get points out of this game. How do I do it? I know that you know playing keep away essentially is gonna almost secure me a point game in, yep. game out. And like at least until at least until something from the front office can happen. Right. No, my yeah, thing, my sure. thing is, look, look. I, I wouldn't be mad if it would honestly might even even kind of push the push the I don't know push the front office to make a move sooner. If and I I wouldn't expect him to do this, but kind of in like fantasy land, if Heinz had decided, you know what, we're gonna play the entire match like it's in the 90th minute and we're down by one, because that yeah. seems to be where that team comes alive. And all just of a sudden, you see, in, but then, then you just run your players into the ground. I, and, and I know, I know, 60th minute comes around, all of a sudden everyone's dead. I get it. The first, I get it. They did the first three games. Like, I mean, I get honestly, it, that's what, Sosa was dead by the by the 70th minute. But if 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 Heinz is looking for specific kind of players and he wants to play his way, and his play it the way he wants to play isn't necessarily like this, where you know where it is more reminiscent to. Frank DeBoer than Tata Martino, then then maybe that might be what he has to do. I don't know. Like I, I obviously we're not privy to the conversations they're having, or you know we're not inside the mind of of, of Gabriel Heinze, but I just can't imagine that he came and decided, yeah, we're gonna play, we're gonna play like this, we're gonna play very passive and yeah. control the possession, and you know we'll figure it out in the final third whenever we figure it out. I, I can tell you this. You can ask for. I, I've heard the discussion about you know, well, if we had Gressel or something to that effect, like if we had better crossing or if we had, uh, you know, better players out on the wings or whatever, you're not going to get a good ball into a a. Uh, how tall is Joseph? Five eight, five nine, something like that. Yeah. Surrounded by four four defenders, because that's literally all that that's that's been happening is that you're finding him in the box amongst a a, a bevy of defenders, and there's no chance that he's going to get to that ball first especially considering he's still working on getting back to hundred percent. Yeah. So I do like this. He said, uh, CM new name, I believe in the trap saying we'll be privy to those conversations in two years when Felipe's next bomba drops. <laughs> That's uh, absolutely true. And I just want to validate myself because our buddy Gustavo Rodriguez down in Buenos Aires saying a player who is not a DP in Argentina cannot be a DP in MLS. I don't know what happened with Franco, but it's weird. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no kidding. What? How much well stock said. do you guys put in? The other thing that I've noticed, especially over the past two years, um, in the roster is the lack of veteran MLS experience in this roster and in the lineup versus what we saw in the first three years. 
you know, whether that's Michael Parkhurst, Jeff Lorenowitz, Darlington Nagby, um, our experience has just been with the players that have been playing in the league for the past five years on Atlanta United. Like we have nobody that has been brought in from another team. That's got a lot of MLS tutelage to kind of know how the league plays has been in the league for a while. And is just sort of that utility player week in and week out. I mean, do you take any stock in that based on MLS kind of being a transitional league for lack of a better term? I, I don't know. I personally, I don't put that much stock into it. Again, I think if you can play, you can come in and play. Um, I, I don't know how much you say that, but Pity Martinez, a South American Player of the Year, and does shit in the league. Yeah, well, I mean, that still baffles me because I don't know how he won that award. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, look, there's a very solid reason he is where he is now, and not playing in Europe for whatever reason. There's there's a reason that Barco is not. I just don't think we have the right players. I just don't. I, I think that. I, I, and I, again, I, I I almost feel bad for Frank DeBoer because I'm mean, he's sitting there and 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 we're all kind of crapping on him and it might not, never have been his fault uh, because I just don't see I don't see where where uh, it's like you struck gold in 2017 and decided cool we're good well and I think started, the other thing- and then you started because you never you never replaced you wanted to play a style like like under Tata Martino but you never replaced the reason you had that style to begin with. And that was Miguel Almiron. You never, right. you never replaced that. Right. And when you don't replace that, you know, you can't expect to have the same result. It's not, that's not how that works. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, MLS veteran experience. I, I don't, it doesn't. I think do it's the dollars. Me. I think it's the dollars. Maybe, in MLS. maybe. That, like that's what's missing is that Atlanta United has stretched themselves so much because of the salary cap league where they're paying so much for the players that they do have versus the, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like more budget MLS players. And that's ultimately why Nagby left, right? Like he wanted he wanted to get fucking paid, doesn't get paid. Gressel, again, wasn't really necessarily MLS veteran, but certainly had the makings of it. Um, and you see these players have a tenure in the league or have some success in the league and ultimately are a little bit less expensive than what some of these other players that are being brought from outside the league in that you have to pay a little bit more capital for. I mean, as much as I love Heinemann, his salary is exponentially larger than what a Michael Parkhurst would have been, you know, or something like that. And I think that's maybe where the disconnect is in this salary where maybe your marquee players outside of the DP positions are less less impactful because they're having to be distributed over more bodies because of how much they're garnering, you know, because you're putting all that money into all of these different players rather than in a select few players that can be bigger. I would have loved, I would have loved to have seen an MLS veteran for a lot cheaper than Alan Franco. Yeah. Hundred percent, exactly, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Getting and I, look, and now, that, now that we have Alan Franco, I love that he's here. I, I want him to succeed. Yeah. All the best, Alan Franco. But no, absolutely. But that's what I'm getting at. It's like without Alan Franco, we're fine defensively. Like you've got to have some of that. You've got to have some of that negotiate. Like why? Why do you let a player like Gallagher go? You know, last year who could have maybe given you some spark. Who was your? Who who was the best attacking player in the United toward the end of last year? You're losing these these player these utility players. Like there are none of those players, and so your capital is getting redistributed in a way that isn't necessarily giving you as much impact or bang for your buck that you were getting out of uh, a Tito Vijalba or something like that, where you were paying them not a DP salary but close to it, and you were getting some equal value out of it in their playtime. I mean, Jurgen Dom is making one and a half million dollars a year, so I think that's. 
again, but that all falls in the front office. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. Paying, you're paying all these people. You're paying Jurgen Dom way more than he's worth. Um, mm-hmm. But it, uh, what's weird is that you, you're, you're paying a Jurgen Dom, Dom something he's not worth. You're paying an Alan Franco DP money, which whatever. It's more about the fact that you paid a, a you pay DP money for a defender. I, Alan Franco is fine, but it's more about the fact that you pay DP money for a defender. And 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 then you let you know Julian Gressel go over not that much more money. No, after we saw the, the whole thing. Yeah, I, it's it's I like that. Those are the those are the things I don't understand. Whether whether uh, Julian Gressel or whether Carlos Bocanegra maybe didn't like the fact that Julian Gressel was trying to strong on arm him. You know, you think about what happened with him and Nagby. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's like a, a, a you know a pride or an ego thing. I don't know. But it, it, it the decisions that have made this team not be able to compete the same way outside of 2018 or 2019. But it looked like garbage. Uh, outside of you haven't been able to repeat what the 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 love you had for this team in 2017 2018 because of the decisions that have been made by the front office, and that's carried over into this year. And I I just unless something extraordinary happens with these players, I think we, we are watching what we have for this year. I don't think anything gets better. Oh, yeah. I don't think it gets worse. I think it I gets you, marginally I, better. I, I, sure, I, I can maybe. see it getting sure. substantially worse. I can't, and I don't see it getting substantially better either, to your point. I can see I, I can see I can see a, a group of players that are tired of playing defensively to sign just 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 getting too tired of playing defensively. Yep. I do I see, see that. that. And again, I can see the makings of things getting better based on the Seattle game. Like the possession seemed to be with a purpose. It wasn't so much back passing. You have some of the chemistry issues where there was some link up play on the front end of the 18 yard box that just didn't really pan out the way that you would hope for it to. Like if those things start clicking again, it's not a substantial improvement where you, all of a sudden those two things change and you're putting up five goals on the Seattle team, but maybe you get one in a run of play versus having to depend on a PK. You know, some of those that you get a couple more shots on goal versus just shots. You know, it's it's those kinds of things that, like, I think if we see some marginal improvement, that's still a big win going into playoffs. But I don't think that this team is an MLS Cup winner as it stands right now, and I don't expect it to be by the end of the season unless some drastic things change in this lineup. The the one the one positive note about this season is that that everything can change after the midway point of the season. We've seen that Seattle has proven that. I think Toronto's proven yeah. that. Yeah. So we, you know who knows what could happen, but my confidence is I I don't go into a game expecting them to win. I go I I don't go if I get it great and I'm happy for it. But I mean we 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 had the we come away with a draw against one of the best the best team in MLS and I'm like I don't feel any different. Like this is, I, I don't care that we got a team, a point against the, the the best team in the league. I don't care that we, you know, struggled through that, which I, whatever you didn't do enough to prove that throughout the course of the rest of this season. And you haven't been proving that throughout the rest of the season, you're going to find a way to, to be able to outlast the, the, the rigors of the league. I think this team is pretty fragile as it is right now. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a, you know, uh, it's not a, mentality thing i think is that at some point they're going to be tired of not winning games not scoring enough goals that we're going to hear about the same similar conversations maybe not towards heinza hearing the same sort of verbiage that we heard last year where you know where we just we possess too much where we're i mean shoot i i, I what i don't want to hear is you know what we still got a way to on things we're still doing things to kind of uh you know develop ourselves in the attack you know we're still got to work on work harder on during things. no like 
at some point, the working hard has got to has got to turn into something productive on the field. Hard has to uh, amount to wins, amount to some kind of success. Eventually, we got to we got to get to the point where we're working hard and we see the product on the field. And for a lot, hasn't happened. Yeah, you know the main thing that we're really talking about here is how to be more confident. And what better way to feel <laughs> confident? with our buddies over at manscaped support for this episode of home before dark is brought to you by manscaped who the who are the best in below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels i never get tired of saying that manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 as we said don garber get on your shit you guys are still on mls 2.0 and we're over here with the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code HBD at manscaped.com. We are, uh, we're pretty lucky that Manscaped reached out to us uh, not that long ago and gave us exclusive access. I say exclusive. We, we were one of the first ones to get access. You gave Manscaped exclu- exclusive access. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, they certainly got it now. <laughs> we were we were one of the first to get the lawnmower 4.0 and I have to say it is quite a piece of engineering. Um, I've never felt more confident in my family jewels. Let's just put it that way. I mean, you you want to talk about lack of confidence in Atlanta United. I mean, there's one thing that builds confidence and it's and it's work with the lawnmower 4.0 in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. They sent us a pair of boxers as well. They have uh I think anti-chafing boxers that are are absolutely just the most comfortable pairs of boxers i've ever worn but uh you know some of the like they have wireless charging like how great is it like i don't know if you guys have had those trimmers where you have to have like the eight the it's like figure eight type charger plug that goes in and it sits on your counter and gets knocked it's like you're traveling to england you gotta have that weird (laughs) you gotta have the adapter adapter just to charge it up yeah no exactly yeah no exactly not this though like you have a really nice like sleek uh charging station you put it in the corner this thing is uh the the lawnmower 4.0 is not only waterproof somehow uh but it also is uh has wireless charging the fact that it's waterproof i think is a selling point in and of itself i mean it's it's pretty incredible um, and if your power goes out, it's also got an LED light on there. So no matter what, Manscaped's got you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code HBD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code HBD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Ordering mine right now. Yeah, you need yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> Brian Tatum's lawnmower 4.0 is so much <laughs> total peep shot. <laughs> oh man, why did my lawnmower come with a GoPro attached to it? Weird. <laughs> oh geez. So to get back to um, the reactions that we had on Twitter from from the crowd from the from the homies over there for the, for the game on Sunday against Seattle. Well, we asked typical, you know, one positive, one negative, uh, toodles, McToot, AKA at sea otter, a 68 saying the positive. I'm seeing more and more of the triangle play that we were hearing about early on tells me things are beginning to click a bit. Uh, the negative are attacking midfielders still think they can do better with their dribble than they can passing the ball in the attacking third. That's something that's like, it, it didn't, 
I, I don't know. It doesn't seem to matter who's playing the quote unquote 10 role or like even, I guess Marcelino Moreno's not playing the 10 necessarily. He's playing over on the left side, but whoever's leading that attack behind Joseph seems to be dribbling out uh, possession of the ball instead of like trying to take a chance more often than not. I feel like Moreno's yeah. getting more comfortable, I think, taking shots. But I mean, between Barco and Moreno, it seems like, I don't know, we, we dribble the ball way too often in the, uh, in, in the attacking third. You know, the other thing that I think about with the players and personalities that we've been talking about, when was the last time we had a player in this lineup that looked like they were having fun playing? Like, that's the big difference in, like, Darlington Nagby, uh, Miguel Almiron, like, players that were smiling and enjoying playing the game that you just, I don't know. Personally, I have Eric Rometty, maybe you could argue uh, in some regard, like, but at least in the past two years, nobody in this lineup looks like they're really enjoying them. So maybe Barco here and there, but it's not like you've got that personality in the lineup even that is sort of getting the team to rally behind them either. It's almost like you've lost all star power because no one, I mean, I'm going to repeat this over and over again, but no one's stepping up to be that, that guy that can kind of take over a game. And that's, yeah. that, I, that is what it's going to take. The reason you see everything going out wide is because no one can, you know, dribble through one guy to open up some space for Joseph so that he can make a tiny little run and get a through ball into space and, and, or that he can run onto and then, you know, chip it over the goalkeeper. Like that's not happening. One, because I don't think Joseph is ready. But secondly, you don't have anyone that can do that. You don't have anyone that's going to. I, I would even rather forget the playing at the whole game like it's the 90th minute and you're down by one. Just take chances. And if it, and if you don't, if it doesn't come off, then who cares? Whatever. We're in the same boat we were before. Like, it, just take chances in the in the final third. And if it doesn't work out, then then whatever. I, I would rather see that. It doesn't even feel like they want to. It feels like they play the entire 90 minutes, hoping they don't mess up. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I, if I you, hate if, that. If you I go from sixty-five percent possession down to fifty percent because you're getting dispossessed in the final third, but you're actually taking chances and your shot and XG and everything else kind of goes up as a result of that, I'm all for that. I mean, because of the points that we've already made out, which is, I feel wholly confident in our back line and our ability to cover and to take care of anybody that's going to create chances the opposite direction like i'm willing to concede some of that position if we're going to get a little bit more opportunities on goal and whether they're risky opportunities or they pan out to be a more consistent run of play like you've got to be doing something besides just playing keep away at a certain point yeah no agreed totally um you just don't, you don't you don't even have a lot of creativity like creative build-up nothing like you yeah i'm trying to think was there has there been a play this year where we where Atlanta United scored and it was like just a, a like a, a a series of passes that just looked too good to be true and all of a sudden you find yourself you know no whoever, I saw the, the they no, had nothing. a stat on the game there's there's been six goals nothing. for Atlanta United and only two assists I think like they've all been individual goals like there's not been any team goals whatsoever versus Seattle who's got thirteen goals on the season right now and I think the goals of the those goal- ten are assisted. <laughs> You know the goals we've scored are like the all right. I, it's it's a little harsh to say gifted goals. That's not necessarily what I mean, but it's it's these goals during the course of a season. They're like, oh shit, that went in, yeah. or oh that what? Who messed up on that one? Like stuff like that. Those kind of like I'll call them the Tito goals. <laughs> Those kind of goals that like just kind of the Giazzi Zarda goals. I I'll, I'll say. Although I think he whatever. Anyways, the, the point is that these goals that I guess you don't expect to to come off, and then for whatever reason they just happened to end up in the back of the net. Nothing has been created from back to front, from middle to front. 
you know, sure, you can you can you can talk about the Montreal match, but again, I I mean, at that point, you're not playing your tactical style. You're just like praying at that point. So it doesn't really count in the same vein as as what I'm talking about. It does, you know, it is a goal that you know is from the run of play that uh, is opened up by uh, by by you know by going forward and, and trying something. But you know, at that point, you're desperate. And the same thing last week with the with the, with the PK. You know, if it, <laughs> If that's not called a P, I mean that that if uh, I forget the defender's name, but if he doesn't, Brad Smith, yeah, if he doesn't uh, make that terrible tackle, I mean that's not a goal. That nothing's happening with that. That's probably going out for goal kick. Um, you know, it's it's there's nothing to suggest that this team is going to be a, a very attacking team, even if they somehow figure it out, even if they change tactics. I, I just I don't see who steps up, what player becomes, you know, the the I, I guess the 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 you know, if, if Joseph is a face of the franchise, letter A face of the franchise, who's B? Who's the one to step up when Joseph can't be the guy? And right now he can't be the guy. You can't rely on him. So he's back. He, you know, he's playing, but you can tell it's not the same. And who knows when it's going to be the same, if it's ever going to be the same. I believe it will be at some point, but that could be six months from now. I don't know if it's going to take that long, but I mean, it could be that long. These ACL injuries are are weird and they're fucking stressful and they're not fun. They're not fun to come back from. That's why yeah. you saw him freak out when he scored the goal and goes to his trainer and gives him a big hug because that's a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Elliot B, going back to the reactions, Elliot Beaven uh, saying positive Joseph scored and Kubo came on. <laughs> it was puckered sour emoji face and negative Atlanta fans need a Snickers bar. I, I like that, Elliot. I think that's good. I think that uh, people can calm down a little bit even though I've, I've kind of let Eric get into my head a little bit and made my, <laughs> my head space in my, uh, in my, right. I guess my outlook on the rest can we, of the Can season. we just, just call him Eric Jones? He's the Alex Jones of the United <laughs> podcast. Community. Alex we're, we're talking about, we're talking about Tito <laughs> Vialba. It's the G and Tito Vialba is no longer in the lineup. <laughs> I think the funniest thing when people try to pull those like the XG XA type of stats on me, and I'm like, who cares? Like, that's that's that that shows you trends. It's not going to show you what's going to happen in a game. And if you want to know what happens in the game, look at the game, watch the games, and see see what's been going on. I don't care about. I don't care. XG is like fluoride in the water. (laughs) Something nobody's really talking about, but everybody (laughs) keeps talking about it. It's making the goals go wide. There's helium in the soccer balls. <laughs> That's why they can't fucking score. They're parking the bus every time. Uh, um, all right. Joey, a.k.a. Haleto, saying positive we made Seattle look ordinary. I think that is quite the positive. Uh, saying negative Atlanta fans bitching about a draw against the clear top team in the league in their, in their stadium. It's a long season with a new coach and new players, yet the fans have become so negative. This is why Julio Jones is leaving. It's it exhausting. Has nothing, it has nothing to do with the, with the draw, though. Who's not happy about a draw away? To, it's the way it looked. It's the, it's the fact that nothing seems to change from game to game. It's the fact that we look just as seemingly just as bad as we did you know, when we first started playing in MLS games outside of Chicago. But it doesn't, it, nothing seems to have improved. And it only looks to get worse. Maybe not worse, no. but it only looks, it doesn't look to change. 
you know, I you, you can't depend on Barco. Think, so don't, look, I still think it's better than it was. I, I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what Barco adds a little creativity. I just don't know that it's enough creativity. Because if it were enough, if, if if he were capable of enough creativity, he would have shown it by now, and he's not. He's 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 capable of sparks every now and then. That's it. But that's what you need. You need enough spark to start the next spark to start the domino. Like you, that's. I, I you still have think a, that but you don't have a team. You don't have a team that works based off sparks. You have teams that depend on players to step up individually to make something happen. The spark, the, the spark is supposed to come from from uh, from Lennon, from uh, from from Moreno, from from Heinemann, from. And I think you're seeing you know, parts of that. I think you're seeing parts again. I don't think that this team all of a sudden is not in playoff contention, and it's in its bottom of the league like it was last year. And I think it it, it can marginally get better. Does it end up a top three? Does Atlanta United end up top three team? I don't think so right now, but again, it's still a long season, man. There's still a lot of stuff that can happen, and I don't think that they're getting worse, which has got to be a positive trend. And if that means that we're going from us getting a 1-1 draw to potentially fighting for a 1-0 win by the end of the season for somebody that's top of the league, like that's a marginal like I don't expect Atlanta United to go from a 1-1 draw against Seattle to going into that game like what we did from our perspective going into that match where Tim was predicting a 3-0 Seattle win. Dan was predicting a 2-0 Seattle win. I was calling a 3-1 Seattle win. Like I don't think the inverse happens where at the end of the season where all of a sudden this team is like, we're going to go down and we're going to win 3-0 against Seattle on the road. I don't think that happens, but if this I- team at least can become what I think is a reasonable expectation that you can see them grinding out a one nil win against the top team in the league. Like that is a huge win in my opinion. And it's obviously an improvement than what we saw going into this match. And I see the startings of that. I, so I, I didn't see it necessarily that way. And uh, sure. You, again, you're happy that you went into the best team in the league. You went into their house, found a way to get a win. But I saw it more as Seattle laying an egg after they scored and basically, you know, becoming complacent, thinking they'd score another one that never happened. And Lane United. So in that sense, yeah, Lane United did enough to 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 not let them score again. But but they didn't though. They still kept the high press going into the second half before Atlanta United had scored the equalizer. Like they it's not like they just sat behind midfield for the entire game. Like were they at their best? No, but that's, no, but I'll give that's you not, that. Like that's not, the, that's not the that's not the Seattle we've seen. The second half of Seattle, it was not the Seattle we've seen. You know, the first however many games of the season, I, I, they dialed it back a little bit. Enough, little enough, bit. enough. But it's not like they just stopped playing altogether. Sure, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not I mean, like I'm not, new. Not, I mean, what I'm not, what I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that United is a trash team. What I'm saying is that they're not going to get better than what they are now. And something I, radical happens. I don't see what I don't see who injects what, what life into this team. Is the the lineup changes? Like in, in, inevitably, the lineup changes whenever Dam's in the lineup, Hosetu's playing, Barco's playing, and if those players aren't playing, that a different acquisition happens over the summer transfer window. Like we've seen the team get shaken up and have uh, a different playmaking ability after the midseason window, whenever Eric Rometty came in, like it's, it doesn't take a complete overhaul midseason for that to happen. And to your own point earlier, like we've seen Seattle and Toronto at the bottom of the table going into midseason and end up winning the league by the end of it. Like it's not unheard of. And I think that there's certainly talent on the field and Joseph Martinez getting better week in and week out at least gives you 
that opportunity. It's a matter of how you're getting the ball to him. And that stuff can certainly be worked out in the run of play, I think. But it wouldn't be what it looks like now. That's that's what I'm saying. Unless something dramatic happens, it wouldn't look like it, what it looks like now. Yeah. Uh, a little interesting tidbit from Haleto saying uh, Christian Roldan even said post game that it was our pressure that prevented them from effectively attacking. I um yeah I, I don't know I I think there are more positives to draw from Sunday than there are. I do too. To yeah. I do too. Yeah, and then but I also if- agree with Eric's point. Like I don't think that all of a sudden we're just some completely different team than what we are right now. We like, seem think- stable though, and I think exactly in a, in, exactly. in, in a in like a stretch of turmoil that this team has gone through over the past three years, be it um, Tata leaving Nagby leaving FDB, I don't know, being put in against the, the entire fan base's uh, will. And then, and then COVID and Joseph's ACL, like there's been so much, I think there is something to be said about a little bit of stability and not ex- like, not having to go into games worrying that we're going to get housed, I think is I, I think is a good feeling, and we have to build upon it. Um, and that's exactly what you're doing. And, and to use all the construction metaphors that you just mentioned about, like being steady and having a foundation that you can build on, like can't build on a shaky foundation. And if Atlanta United is at the bottom of the table like they were last year, you're fighting an uphill battle trying to figure out what those foundations are because you're so unsteady and upended. If we're at least steady, upper middle of the table, get through a decent season, some things change, some acquisitions happen coming into next season, and you maybe get a fluke playoff win in the first round or something. Like, I don't know, man. I I don't think that that's a bad outcome for this team, all things considered, to your point, Tim. I just let me get through the. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys one question after this, but I want to get through these positives, negatives from from Twitter. David Benson, aka Dog for him, saying positive. We got the road point, and thanks to MLS playoffs, getting points early and peaking late in the season seems to work. To uh, what we talked about earlier, Seattle, Toronto's, uh, you know, their MO. Um, negative still looks slow and not a lot of creativity in the final third, but it's a long season and time to correct. Uh, Kobe Bryant Olivas, aka just Brian Olivas, uh, saying, uh, positive we kept Seattle at bay most of the match, negative dull as a butter knife in the final third seems to be the sentiment all the way around. Uh, Chiefs coach Steve, um, saying positive margaritas, negative ran out of margaritas. Um, and then Gabe, hashtag Sosa Squad 5 Lajas, aka Gully Cuban 13, aka Lil Pistol Starter, saying, <laughs> Positive, good things happen when you move the ball towards goal. Negative, Moreno looks back at Brad too much, too many back passes. That's actually not a bad, not a bad call. Um, and then just Gene, um, Atlanta United till I die. A T L U T I A T L U T D T I D. I'm guessing that's what I means. Uh, saying positive, much more forward movement and possession negative need to drive up the middle sometimes. And have they heard of through balls? Um, yeah. I mean, it seems like we are trying to go into the um, hoof the ball into the box from the wing uh, mentality a little too often. Like that's you usually, he's it's like, using it's the, like nice, the default. Yeah. It's like knocked oh, up. He's using the dice well, too much, but like, again, it's, it's is it that 20, yeah. is it that 2018, 
Jillian Gressel tactics that everybody yeah. is talking about. Like the difference is you had a serviceable Joseph Martinez then that was getting on the end of it versus now. But again, these you are also all had, you, conversations. But you also, but you, also you also had Miro in the middle of the field being as dangerous as everybody else in the field. So I mean, absolutely, absolutely, you're spreading out the 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 defense, the back line a little more than you are now. Which is leading to now it's leading to basically Joseph having to out jump four different guys in the middle of the box or having to, you know, what I will say is that, look, we, we, it, it, the, the, the best chance that we did have was the, the cross that wasn't new who got to defensively and just poked away the one yeah. that Joseph oh, yeah. crushed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if we saw more of that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't complain about going out wide as much, but we just don't see that much. You, oh, you, I agree. you know, you don't see that much. Julian Gressel was really good at finding ways to give himself some space and draw the attention of of uh, of some of those defenders, either by cutting in or by by doing enough to outrun the guy, the guy marking him and pulling one of the center backs in, and then finding across the. But everything was on the run. Not nothing's right. on the run anymore. Everything right. was on the run. Nothing's on the run anymore. It's all it's all trying to you know, mm-hmm. it's trying to basically pa- almost pass the the ball into the goal. When when you know, I, I don't mind taking shot. I mean, not that they don't do this, but I don't mind taking shots from outside the outside the box. I don't mind them trying stuff that, you know, it's just weird because we don't have you know, and no one really has this, but it's weird. I, I would love to know what the mindset uh, of Gabriel Heinze is when it comes to this, when it comes to the attack. Without having to go through something like the media, I want to have like a one-on-one conversation. This is never gonna happen. This is daydreaming. But mm-hmm. that one-on-one conversation with him, that we're just like, dude, just just be real. Like, be, come on, because I don't believe anything you're saying in the media. Nothing. No. no. The the only person I believe right now is Joseph. <laughs> no. Yeah. I do want to go back to to before I ask you guys one question. Uh, Brian Daniels' comment. I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to it. I pinned it for a second. Just all this talk about Sparks has us going on. Uh, we we need to get sparks on as a new sponsor uh the ultimate malt liquor energy supplement when was the last time you guys saw sparks i remember i don't know did it get outlawed the same way that four loco did so okay, white, what sparks white, is white, white claws up in their alcohol content to basically be the new sparks they're marketing themselves <laughs> as a high gravity seltzer water here soon which is going to be no you're talking about <laughs> high gravity so it's going to be like uh steel reserve yeah basically i think it's going to have like 10% alcohol in it. Good God. Like New Good white God. claw uh, high alcohol. Let's see what it's going to have. It's going to be white claw surge is what it's called. And the 16 ounce can of hard seltzer with 8% ABV versus the current one, which is four, I think. So it's going to, that's going to be the move boys. It's going to get outlawed at some point. Outlawed. But the thing, but the thing is, but the the thing is, there ain't no laws (laughs) when you got got claws. As soon as those new ones come out, man, I'm doing the Stone Cold Steve Austin open up the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's um, yeah, we still haven't had you do the uh, do the shotgun challenge to shotgun a couple white claws or a white claw a. A bone and viv. Uh, uh, now that I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah. schedule them back to back to back. <laughs> I think is it Wild Basin? I, I don't know. Is it Wild Basin? Is that what it's called? I, don't know. I tried I that not. one. I tried that one, and it it looks like they use sewer water. I <laughs> I, I, I was not a fan of that one at all. It did not taste good. You know, it does taste uh, good. It's my tried and true. This is uh, Kroger Blackberry Citrus. 
Oh, my favorite thing about it's, those it's, is that they go yeah. flat after 15 minutes. Oh, the Kroger ones? <laughs> yeah, you got oh, yeah. a shotgun those for them to stay carbonated. Dude, the lately? As soon as the air gets it, it's like you can see the carbonation dissipating. Yeah. It's uh, late. Like, I I keep these in the garage fridge. So the past couple days or week or whatever where it's been 90 degrees and I'm out there doing woodworking, I'm just chugging these like Stone Cold Steve Austin. But they keep their uh, – God, it's it's miserable outside, guys. It's miserable again. Okay, so the question I wanted to ask you guys is, and Eric, we'll start off with you. What is okay. what is a successful season to you? Make um, the playoffs. That's it. At this point, that. make the playoffs. As, uh, as a certain I, seed, or no? A successful season, in a general sense, make the playoffs. A successful season on a on a more specific sense, find a way to score more than one goal a game. Kevin, what's that would be, a successful outcome to the season for you? Well, going back to my predictions at the beginning of the season, my thought was that Atlanta United would finish third in the East. I'm I pretty sure it, I said first. Which You said first and Dan <laughs> said second. You fucking dunces. Um, I think that Third is the ceiling for this team currently. And I think that a more realistic expectation in the East is more likely fourth or probably fifth, the way things well, are shaking out currently. What I will say is that the East looks like it's the garbage conference yes, of yes. MLS this year early on. Uh, and so, our schedule is more front-loaded, which also helps yeah, out. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that run. too. So, so look, I, as, as much as I'm crapping on Atlanta United right now, I'm not saying that they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they don't have a chance. I'm I'm dubious at how far into the playoffs they can go, but yeah, I do think they can make the season a successful one. You know, n- assuming assuming everything stays the same, which I, I kind of agree with you guys, it's not going to stay the same. I don't think it's going to get much better, but no. And I'm using hyperbole when I say it probably can get worse, but I, you know, I I do think that that has that is one thing that Atlanta you know, has going for it is that the Eastern Conference is kind of garbage. I am curious about well, anyways, I'm curious about this Nashville game next week, but. No, yeah, which we'll get to in a second. But, I mean, you talk about the East being garbage. and I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because if you look at the teams in the top seven, there are a handful in there that I was not expecting. Granted, we're only, uh, what are we, some some teams are seven games. And let's say, let's say seven games into the season. Um, but you're talking about outside of the top seven right now. You have Columbus, who's reigning MLS champions, who undoubtedly will make the playoffs. I'm just wondering who's going to, who's going to end up making way. And I think it's going to be a lot more competitive Eastern conference uh, and a lot more oh yeah, uh, formidable conference than, than I think that you guys are letting on because inner Miami, I think is going to end up catching their stride too. Um, and then Red Bulls too. And then and you have Toronto sitting in 12th. Um, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati's never, Cincinnati is going to be a long time, I think before they can write the ship. I don't think that happens this season. Um in Chicago, Chicago is a weird team to me too, because they have, I don't know, maybe it's just Barrich is that good, but I guess everybody else on that team is not very good, but um, I don't know who makes way for Toronto, who makes way for New York Red Bulls and who makes way for Columbus in this, in this top seven, because right now Nashville, our opponent for Saturday, they have not lost a game yet. They're six games unbeaten. Yeah, and they and they look really good and, so far. And they've got the one of the only wins against a New England team, and it's by two goals. Yeah, I think they. What do they have? Like two or three straight clean sheets or something like that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, New England, other, it's actually New England's it's, only loss on the season is against. They also, Arsenal. they also, they also create a lot of chances considering, you know, that that, 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 that it is Nashville SC that it's that it's it's not the team that we knew last year. Um, it's a team that's creating chances, going to goal, uh, finding opportunities to score. Um, I watched the Austin game and it wasn't the best representation representation of what they could do, but you did see the number of chances that kind of created for themselves. Um, and, and, and that, that they could have won by more in that new England game. They had 16 shots with seven on target I, I, in the yeah. perspective against the top. This is going the to West, be in Seattle. They had 10 with two on target. <laughs> it's weird to say, but this, this national match is going to be a good test for, for what Atlanta does defensively against a team. That's no, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll see how they respond. What, I, what, I, what I'm hoping happens is that Atlanta United decides we're going to play on the counter. Not that that's their tactic, but they find those moments to play on the counter and find a way to capitalize. Because I think, again, if you can get Joseph running onto a ball, that's a different ball game than what they've been playing so far this year. I think so. Looking at the score, the app, and they're doing the preview for the Atlanta and, and Nashville game. It's just like key players, team form, that sort of thing. It's just so funny. Like, uh, Randall Leal is their key player, two goals, two assists, eight key passes, seven, uh, I think chances created. Um, and then Brooks Lennon is ours, zero goals, zero assists, four tackles. <laughs> like the, the focus gets switched to tackles, interceptions and blocks, which I don't think anybody really pays attention to all that much in, in soccer, but I just think it's, it's quite the juxtaposition right there to see their key player versus ours. And it's, um, well, again, they're just putting twice as many. You you go to so and you can never really do sports math. You know, well, we did this against this team. They did this against this team. But again, to Eric's point, you're looking at a team in Nashville that is consistently generating shots and shots on target twice as much as what Atlanta's been putting in week over week. However, that said, Atlanta's holding some teams that have also managed to do a pretty large amount of shot shot uh creation what i'm looking yeah shot creation against other opponents that aren't atlanta united and so if atlanta can stifle that or maintain that possession battle to try to keep nashville from doing that it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out uh as a good test to see does this possession based tactic really work whenever you're playing against teams that are consistently generating a, a lot more shots and a lot more shots on goal than what Atlanta's been able to do week in and week out. What I hope is that it really takes Nashville out of their game and they yeah, I mean they're they're not you know the 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 game of keep away becomes real real and you know you don't see that many chances created because they just don't have the ball that much. Um right. I, I would I would I would I would assume that a team like Nashville, who struggled last year, who is you know on a really good start this year, is is looking to keep that momentum alive and, and is going to take it to Atlanta, which is more of what I expect to see and and how Atlanta United handles that. I think I think there's an opportunity for Atlanta United to to really I go back to it like find a way to you know if 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 Nashville is going to really push you. Find a way to use the spaces in behind. Find a way to op- to to use the the space that's opened up in the middle um, to your advantage. Find a way to change the the at least the 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 feel of the game. So it's not so much more passive, and it's much more well, not much more aggressive, but aggressive enough to get you a win, to get you you know, to get you more goals in Nashville. Yeah. Um. 
I did want to ask you guys if you had any. I, it came out today. Our buddies over at uh, Atlanta United Fan TV, um, I believe they were the ones who had kind of surfaced this rumor um, about Atlanta United making a fifteen million dollar bid for uh, Hani Ronnie from Palmeiras down in Brazil. I, don't know if I you think guys it's Roni. Roni, yes, macaroni. Beefaroni. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at his, like I said, it's, it's just kind of surfaced today. I don't play football manager. I don't know a lot about a lot of these kind of, uh, the, I don't know a lot about the South American leagues, to be honest, or any of the players down there, but, um, it seems like people are quite excited. Um, I I'm excited for the fact it's a winger that, that we're actually, uh, in talks to sign, but $15 million, that number has kind of not worked out for us in the past. I'm I'm just trying to think that's DP money where yeah uh, i, I like what out? cm is saying he says I, i'm gonna need paul, paul to sign off uh that it's a good <laughs> deal talking about paul mcdonough yeah i um I'm, yeah I, I don't know where i don't know i don't know how you manage that i i look i try i trust the front office when it comes to that because you're paying everyone else stupid money so you, fi- you figure out a way to do it uh you know in the past but uh i also i'm not confident about anyone this te- this front office brings in right now so Sure, they can, they can, they can, you know, you can get excited about this rumor, but yeah, it doesn't seem like he's a he's a goal scorer. But I mean, if I mean, we don't have true wingers playing wing positions outside of our wing backs. Like we don't have the guys flanking Joseph really playing. If it's a chance, really if, it's a, if if he creates chances for other people, then he doesn't need, need to necessarily be a goal scorer. Um, you know, no, if, right. if, he, yeah. if he can if he can become in his his own, you know, uh, whatever his own version of Julian Gressel, then then great. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you, you could use that right now. Um, you could use someone that can create chances that can open things up, but if it's not, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's another Tito wouldn't be a good fit right now, I would like him on the team because he finds a way to score somehow, but his, his general style play wouldn't be a good fit right now. You, you've got that with Lennon, just less speed um, and Lennon's doing fine. So I, I, if, if it's just a replica of that on the other side or whatever, then I don't know what that does. I, I you need a playmaker. I don't care where on the field it is. You just need a playmaker that can help draw some attention from defenders, open up some space, you know, behind whatever, whatever it needs to be. It just, you got to find someone that can make plays in the middle of the field or draw defenders in to open up space for other players that are running in. That's the other problem I have. No one else is running with Joseph. No one, (laughs) no one's running with Joseph. I like, uh, I like dirty bird person's comment saying of all the DP rumors or all potential DPs rumored in the past three years, this guy seems to have the least hype. So he'll, <laughs> so he'll probably score 15 goals. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of his highlight film. I haven't yet I haven't. either, but, um, do you think it's definitely a positive if we're going after like more attacking talent winger type of talent? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about winger specifically just because of the players that we already have in the lineup. And I don't know how that fits in because of all the positions. And as much as we talked about depth that on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like we've got a bevy of wingers on both sides versus center attacking midfielders, which I think is where the biggest gap is in this lineup. And I don't know what a winger brings to you right now that the wingers we have in this lineup aren't already, unless it's replacing a Barco where, he's you know they're they're potentially shoring up for him to be gone in the summer transfer window or something like that but the players we have here now i don't know how he fits in with that lineup but certainly somebody that's going to give you a more attacking threat i think is a positive one i just think it may be uh misplaced yeah i wonder if that is what they're trying to do sell sell off barco 
Well, I don't know how you do that. I, I don't really know how you do that while he's injured, but yeah, that's my thought too. Is that you know we may be walking into the summer transfer window with two DP slots open if we could buy down Alan Franco and then Ezekiel Barco's sold off, then we have potentially two spots to fill up. And uh, I, I don't know. Who knows? Um, we missed out on Aguero, which sucks. Could have got, couldn't have got, could have got Aguero. But he wants to go play with Messi, I guess. But just give me anyone with some flair. Just give me some. Give me, give me a different face of the franchise right now. I, I love Joseph. I've not, not against Joseph, but he can't do it by himself. Give me someone else. Give me another Miguel Almiron. So that, yeah, I don't that know where of, we find that though. That kind of impact. If yeah. it's not him, I don't want him. <laughs> All right, score predictions for uh, this weekend. Eric, how are you feeling about the the Nashville game? What are you thinking score-wise for the game? I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. Um, I'm going to say 1-0 win, Atlanta United. And I think uh, Joseph will get it. I think uh, <laughs> like Elliot Beaven, three nil Atlanta Guzan hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna play him at, at, at uh, forward. I think play- being home is gonna help. You've got some momentum coming into it. I think you could get if if your position if your possession tactic works, and you get this Nashville team frustrated, and maybe Nashville gets cocky, thinking that they're going to come in here and run something. You've got a little bit of momentum off of the draw against Seattle. I think there's a lot of stuff. Again, positive takeaways from that Seattle match. It's going to be a weird goal. I don't think it's something that's going to be convincing where Atlanta United's going to dominate. But I could see a one 0 win. If if Atlanta United is is similar to if the, the possession is similar to what we've seen lately you see that Nashville is clearly frustrated and you still don't get much going forward you still don't create that many chances are you are you more worried then than you are now so if everything uh, goes if everything goes exactly according to Elaine United's plan and they yeah. still can't find a way to get to, to create chances and it's and it ends up being nil nil so or, or or one one or whatever yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's more concerning. I, I don't think that I'm overly concerned now. Like, it's not like I feel like this team is struggling to stay afloat and just staying above water. I think that they're, like like Tim said, I think they're stable. I think they're going to win some. They're going to lose some. You'll probably have one or two that they get blown out in. I don't, I'm struggling to find games that they're going to blow somebody else out in, but I'm not going into – every single match like I was last season where I was like, I don't fucking know. Like this, <laughs> there's no fucking way they're going to pull something out under Steven glass where nobody wants to play. Nobody looks like they want to play. One thing I'll say is at least the team looks like they want to play and they certainly want to be better. And I think that's a positive enforcing tactic. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I think that, if they can hold teams like Seattle, I mean, just again, back to what I was saying before, like you, you look at other teams that have consistently had more shots and more shots on goal against other opponents that Atlanta has been able to stifle a little bit more. Like that gives you some sign for 
I mean, Montreal had a couple of games where they had 16, 17 shots and six or seven shots on goal against other teams like Columbus. You know, they had 20 shots and three on goal. Um, you know, Atlanta holds Montreal to 10, I think it is. Same thing with Seattle. Again, like you're seeing a team that based on that possession tactic, it seems to be working with teams that are having games where they're getting a lot of shots. Uh, the big difference being the Montreal versus Nashville game where Montreal still only had nine and Nashville had 18. I think Eric, to your point, like Nashville's probably going to be a bigger test than Seattle was for this team, but the positive I see going into it is that they've consistently shown that they can stifle a team that's been putting up big numbers against other opponents so far, very, very early in the season, albeit, but we'll see. And it's at home. I think that plays into it too. Tim, what was your prediction? I say two nil. I think Joseph and, and Emerson Heimann both score goals. Um, and then go into predictions in the trap. Haleto saying 0-0 draw. Richard Gordon, 1-0 Atlanta. L.A. Beaven, as we said, 3-0 Atlanta on, on the back of a Guzan hat trick. Uh, and then Brittany S. saying 2-1 uh, Atlanta United. Ooh, Champions League final prediction. 7-0. 7-0, Man City. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about, you know what I would want right now on this on this team? Is the the European veteran looking to come to retire in MLS. Yeah. Stick him in the midfield somewhere. Yeah, that'd be great. Just dead middle of the field. Just you need, you need a traffic controller in the middle of the field. You need somebody that's going to get everybody where they need to be and make sure that every, you need, you need an orchestrator in the middle of the field. Someone with the ego to just give everyone the middle finger and just go, no, just go dude, go play. Yeah. Yeah. I would take that right now. I don't, I don't, I have no reason to think that would ever happen, but I would 100% new, take And, and in the past, I would never want that, but I would take that yeah. right now. New name in the trap Carlos Rangel, I'm guessing. Rangel, maybe. Uh, Atlanta United needs to avoid conceding set pieces. Nashville has some towers that can take advantage of this team. Can we laugh for a second at how bad LA United set pieces are? Corners, it's three kicks, real any bad. of them. Any of them. Terrible. Real bad. Been real bad. And considering that they were trying to <laughs> set up the run of play against Seattle to draw set pieces and then proceed to do nothing with them every time. Uh yeah, yeah. It's you would so think they'd bad. get a little bit better at it. It's so bad that Joseph decided I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna a hack at <laughs> He's like, I'm tired of seeing this nonsense. I'm done. I'm taking it. Put it oh, on my back. Gosh. I d- listening to John Strong talk about how uh was it John Strong? Yeah, John Strong talking about how how a, a quarter kick was an opportunity for a lady United. I was like, "Come on, man! I know you. <laughs> I know you've been watching this team long enough to know that this is not an opportunity. This is just you know we're praying at this point that anything yeah. goes right." Oh, all right. Uh, but hopefully, 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 better days. Hopefully, better days. Hopefully, I look like an absolute idiot asshole dumbass for if everything I've one said. Thing that's been consistent Hopefully. over five seasons of Atlanta United, it's you looking like a dumb. <laughs> so here we are. Nope. I was right about Pity. I'm right about Barco. I'm right about Tito. I'm right about basically everything I've said ever. The only thing I was right about, the only thing I was really wrong about was Tata Martino leaving. That's the only thing I was wrong about. Oh, uh, anything else, boys? Uh, Eric, plugs. Where, where are you guys at these days? What you got going on? 
Uh, so Mouse of the South, I don't know. I'm going to be on it, but they're going to be on tomorrow. So either expect a release tomorrow late or uh, what day is tomorrow? Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Or, or release on Thursday. That'll be Sam and, and Josh. Um, I'm in Montana working on, on, on other podcasts. So, which has been fun. Cool little new adventure I've, I've been on for the past seven months, which is why doing the podcast has been tough because uh, just trying to keep up with work and now that I'm traveling and stuff. So it's cool doing some, doing some real work, looking at different uh, true crime, true crime stuff. Nice. Which is a new thing for me and I uh, I'm in love with it so far. So that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, you can find us boys at or on Twitter at home before dark. That's before spell being the number four. Be sure to go check out manscaped.com. Use promo code HBD to get yourself 20% off and free shipping by Tim and I individually on Instagram. Tim, where can they find you? Uh, at Tim Herb. Find me at the architect. That's at the underscore ARC number one T E C T. Thank you guys so much. As always. Be home before dark. Bye.